My stability really was family. And my worldview at that time certainly was everybody loves God or loves each other like because that's what I saw on a day-to-day basis. And it was beautiful to see how God is present in all these other places. And But the, the irony of being more welcomed in a foreign church than I felt welcomed in my own church or community here, um, that was a struggle. Welcome to the episode 56 of the Walking Closer podcast. This episode is titled, Good, Good Father. I think this adequately describes uh, my guest's mental visualization and relationship with God. And so in this episode, I sit down with Curtis Thornburg. I hope you enjoy yet another opportunity to catch a view from, from an open window into someone's story. My conversation with Curtis will be in two parts, and so here's part one of Good, Good Father. I hope you enjoy. All right, guys, I'm here with Curtis Thornburg. Curtis is a good friend of mine. We've had, man, I probably had more in-depth conversations with you than I've had with anybody in my entire life since we've been knowing each other. Curtis and I, I think that comes from us having lunch together in... There are three or four hour lunches, right? <laughs> What's fascinating is, though, I've eaten some of the... I'm not sure I'd have eaten some of the food I've eaten if it wasn't for you and our friendship. <laughs> Thankfully, they've always been really good, really good food. But anyways, Curtis and I have had lots of in-depth discussions about lots of different things, and I'm excited for you guys to hear his perspective on this kick, I guess, that I've been on. Of course, I'm fascinated by how our mind works specifically, right? And then uh, the reality of the images and how our mind uses images and how those images will just download at a, you know, split second because of a because of a smell, because of just a memory of something we saw something, uh, a song reminded us of something, right? That that's fascinating to me. But as I was looking into that, I got to thinking about how I saw God, the image of God. And of course you have icons and you have you know, the images you see in storybooks and movies and how Jesus is depicted, God, so forth and so on. Then I started realizing that I had lost my image of God, and um, it was kind of even weird to say that, uh, you know? <laughs> it's, weird to, it's weird to even talk about it this way. And I was kind of confused, um, and again, that's weird to even say, but I, I explained that in a couple of podca- earlier podcasts, but... Then I realized that it was the beliefs, the there were lots of things that were had created, not just created that image, but propped it up. And slowly over time, uh, those beliefs were eroding. And then up until the point to where, even though I think the image was more subconscious for me, um, I was still aware, I think, on some level that it was, that it was there. And then all of a sudden... It wasn't. <laughs> and uh, so I'm like, you know, lots of questions started going through my mind at, the, at that point. But anyways, that's when I realized, well, yeah, well, yeah all these things that supported it, propped it up, um, had been eroding over time, and those things were gone. And, uh, of course. So anyways, going through that experience alone, um, which is fascinating to me, got me to thinking, 
how many other people are like me or am I just an oddity, right? <laughs> like, am I just some weirdo over here? Um, but having conversations with people at this point about their image of God, where it's come from, um, and, uh, you know, how has it evolved over time got me to realize that, well, there are some people who are like me, but then there are some people who are different. And I think, and I could be wrong, and you're going you're gonna to show me, um, <laughs> I think your story um, and your, your idea, your concept behind all of this is probably going to be a little different than anyone that I've talked to so far. And so uh, enough about me. We're going to jump right into this. Uh, but to kind of set the stage, what we want to do is uh, we kind of go back in time, way back in the beginning to your childhood, uh, give us a little bit of background information about where you grew up, uh, some things that you can rem- remember, maybe even reflect upon now about the culture. Uh, what was it like in your home? Um, when were you introduced to the concept of God? And uh, what did you think about God? And kind of just where some of that stuff came from. Sure. So I, uh, I grew up all over in some ways. My father was in the Air Force starting out. So I, early on, actually, I, at my birth, my dad was supposed to already be in Monterey, California. And he was able, his uh, commanding officer let him stay extra days before he shipped out because I was about to be born. So I started out from day one with uh, my dad leaving right after my birth to go to, to Monterey to language school. And uh, about, I believe it was roughly uh, three months later, so we followed him there. Uh, that was my first airplane experience. I was also told there that I turned green immediately as we started <laughs> to take off. And uh, But ever since then, I love to fly, and I've, I've gone all, <laughs> all over the world. So I, I attribute a lot of who I am uh, to those early years, traveling, growing up in different places. We uh, shortly thereafter went to Madrid, Spain area. Um, and, and so I was used to meeting different people early on, learning to make friends quickly. And and that really shaped a lot of, of who I am. One of my early memories, too, that I was told of, I guess, more than a, a memory, is when we were in Spain, we only had even though we were on the base, everybody spoke English for the most part. We finally got a TV, a little black and white TV, and uh, but it only had Spanish channels. But my, my brother in particular would watch Barrio Sesamo, uh, Sesame Street. And, uh, and when we came back to, to the United States, he would argue with kids that it's Barrio Sesame, not <laughs> Sesame Street. So, you know, those things of, of already being introduced to even when I don't consciously remember all of it, I, I think having that introduction to culture and language early on yeah. uh, really shifted. And the fact that I didn't have TV early on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, sure. And I was in the culture growing up where TV did babysit kids a lot of times and, right. and people were around that. Um, you know, and, and I didn't really have that so much. I, I read books early on. My um, Uh, Being that my dad was in the military, and even after that, he was a civilian uh, air traffic controller. So he still worked shift work and was was gone at odd hours, different times. So in a lot of ways, it was still very much day-to-day, felt like I was raised by mom. Uh, But at the same time, dad was always there. Like I wasn't at all feeling left out or unloved or any of that. I always felt a sense of love in my family. But uh, mom would read books and stories, and and that's probably my favorite um, 
childhood memories are, are the ones of laying next to mom and her reading, uh, reading stories to us. And Br'er Rabbit was one of the main oh, ones. And yeah. So, you know, it became controversial <laughs> later and I didn't sure. even know. Right, right. Um, and so she would do voices though, reading this. And my mom was, um, a very interesting lady, more complex than most people thought she was. Mm. And so, you know, people would see her as more of this very uh, traditional, conservative, Southern Church of Christ girl. Mm-hmm. But she would do voices like you could not believe for Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Fox. And and, yeah. uh, and so that just, uh, I remember those times even being what comforted me uh, mm. of uh, and, and kind of grounded me. You know, so Mm -hmm. I think that um, that was a lot of my youth and childhood growing up, moving around, different people, different friends. And so my stability really was family. You know, I I didn't. uh, That's what I knew, even my grandparents. So when we were in Spain, my grandparents would uh, record on cassette tapes for for an hour or two uh, just talking to us and, and they would send that over to to Spain and and we would listen to it as a family and then we would record on that same tape we couldn't afford multiple tapes so you know we take that same cassette tape which is sad now because you don't have all of that stored right sure so, sure sure but yeah. uh, we do have some of the copies still around but yeah you know and so even my grandparents uh, being here in the US uh, those were my mom's parents. We would um, stay in touch, you know, and have that level of communication. Mm-hmm. And, and then also for my dad's side, we would go back to our family reunion in Indiana and we'd drive from, you know, Texas uh, back to Indiana every year or, or every other year. And we would meet up with my aunt and uncle and cousins and, and road trip it. So I've always been very, very grounded with family and, and um, uh, offering that stability there. And, and throughout that, my, um, you know, going to my first introduction really to God comes from that. I just grew up in it. I, I grew yeah. up in a family okay. that, that knew God, loved God. Um, my parents met at ultimately at church. They have an odd story too, but that's for a separate time, <laughs> but they, they, they got engaged on their, their second date and married shortly thereafter. And we're, oh. um, happily married for, uh, for many decades until uh, mom passed away. Yeah. So, um, I tried to compete, but I couldn't. It took me about three weeks to get engaged uh, and another four or six to get married. So I just was slow. But uh, yeah. but I think all that's shaped my life in so many sure. ways that I, I've, I've always felt like I wanted a family. Now I have uh, seven kids uh, and it, it's just been a part of me from, yeah. from early on. And, and so I've always tied that in to my, um, to who God is to me, mm-hmm. what God is to me. Uh, it's just another member of the family in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um, with all those same characteristics, attributes, emotions tied to mm-hmm. it of um, we love each other, we stick together, uh, um, and offering that stability. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of... Um, I, I think that, you know, having the... Um, challenges of growing up moving and, and things were were a huge benefit to me i know mm-hmm. for a lot of people it ends up being a negative it seems like in their lives where they have a hard time making friends or uh they resent that for me though i i love change 
And, yeah, and that's a yeah. big part of what defines yeah. me. I, like you say, with food, mm-hmm. I love trying new foods, new cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I really feel like all that stems from that early life and childhood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Um, how did I know this about you? At the, I had no, <laughs> this is all new stuff for me. Um, that's because our conversations go, go in a completely <laughs> yeah. different direction most of the time. Uh, wow. So, this is this is this, man. This is awesome. This yeah, is all why, seven of those kids at church are mine, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> this is why. Um, this is why I love this because, as you were explaining, you know, growing up, um, you know, overseas and different places, moving around and so forth, different cultures. Um, man, you make so much more sense now. <laughs> <laughs> like it makes sense. Like right. that's why. Uh, that is so cool. That is that is really neat. Was there a time where you guys moved back to the states? Your dad was in the military, or I mean, because you talk about being overseas. At what point did you guys come back to the states? Yeah, so we came back. I was still um, an early age. I think um, just around three and a half or so oh, okay. when okay. when we came back to the okay. states from Spain. Okay, um, and then we actually lived with my grandparents okay. for a little while too, which okay. was a, a part okay. of that whole story. Uh, of feeling that family and that sure, support, sure. Um, and, and in a lot of ways too, what I saw was my my dad in in some ways was closer to his father in law, you know, because mm-hmm. from a, a physical perspective, he lived with him and, and was there, mm-hmm. but um, but also just how my father in law, my uh, or his father in law, my mm-hmm. my granddad, took him in as family, right, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we came back and lived there for a time with with my grandparents, and, and that's when my dad ultimately um, uh, got out of the the air force and okay. became civilian. Okay, and, and then uh, ended up at Houston for a while there, Houston, uh, where he was a controller, and then back in Lubbock. So I spent a, the majority of my time then, uh, junior high, high school, even college in Lubbock, mm-hmm. out in West Texas, mm-hmm. which. You know, we lived in some of the most beautiful places in the world. And then when I can really enjoy it, we, we live in Lubbock, Texas. <laughs> so it probably kept me out of some trouble, but uh, yeah. it, it was pretty disappointing. To sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So when you got, okay, so you were three. Um, obviously, there are things about your childhood that you remember. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you were born into the faith. It was kind of handed to you in some yeah. sense, right? Um, so... As far as you can look back, maybe before you guys came to the states, do you have any memories of, you know, what was that? What did what did that relationship with God look like? Um, I mean, I don't I don't know how military works overseas. Um, did you were you guys a part of a faith community? Is was this something that you guys just did in your home? Uh, was it just a normal part of life that there wasn't just some very specific thing that you went to? Uh, right and that declared uh, hey i'm a christian mm-hmm. what did that look like for you guys yeah i think that for us the what i remember and it you know from my perspective i imagine it's different reality like most things sure, <laughs> but, sure. but what i remember is it was just a part of life mm-hmm. and i attribute it even the the military sense uh and, and i talk about it a lot now with my family and, and my wife that i feel like um there was a different sense of community right yeah. than what we have nowadays. Sure, and sure. so the whole community, whether they were or were not Christians, supported one another, mm-hmm. right? And it was mm-hmm. this military family. When mm-hmm. my dad would be off uh, in the war, 
there were other people to step up and help take care of of us and my mom and and whatever it might be and you know being in base housing and those sorts of things too it it's very much just this people could relate to the challenge to the struggle and and right or wrong i attributed that to being christian right Right, right, so i'm sure a lot of them probably weren't right or in some or certainly Mm -hmm. not at least the same faith that that we had but um but it was more the the sense of struggle and challenge of just loving each other and being there for one another um that that presented itself so you know i i don't remember specifically going to say a a set worship or or something Mm -hmm. like that although i do believe that there were times we we had those sorts of things i think um but it was more community even there like within the house coming together and um but i just felt like that's just how it's done, right? right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. That's yeah. what people do, and and, uh, and my worldview at that time certainly was everybody loves God or loves each other, like uh, because that's what I saw on sure. a day to day basis. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. Well, that's not normal. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's not normal at all. Yeah. So, what would you say at that point? Do you think that you had a conceptual? a vision of, of who God was, either perspective, image, whatever, or would this be something that really started to cultivate later on? Yeah, so I, I think, it, you know, and I was thinking about it some that I don't remember, and I'm not even sure now, that I have a mm-hmm. perspective or view of God, mm-hmm. like, in the way people talk about it. Sure. So yeah. I, I know growing up, it, it never, you know, the idea of the flannel graphs, and, mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. like, I never attribute any visual image to God. And I didn't then, I, even though I was, I mean, I came up by the time we we're back in the States, going to classic kind of Church of Christ mm-hmm. where you hear the stories, you see the pictures, you you know, you have the illustrated little kid's Bible, all of this. Um, none of that ever stuck. I don't know if I was just ignorant or, or, or <laughs> slow, but, but it never formed any picture of God for mm-hmm. me, even in a... Um, more abstract sense. Okay. Uh, it, God just always was mm-hmm. like, I am. I mean, I, <laughs> sure. I really, and I, yeah. I, I relate to that when God says I am in ways that I don't think everybody does, because mm-hmm. for me, that's really, I, God is God. I, mm-hmm. I had no other perspective or box to put him in or, um, visual to, to tie to him. The closest as I've gotten along uh, throughout life is tying God to the things I see done that show love, mm-hmm. right? And, and so it is this picture of just love for me mm-hmm. that that that's where I see God. That's how I I find Him. Um, but yeah, and, and in some ways, I guess that's how I saw Him early on too. Was this sense of community and love, and mm-hmm. um, but I, I never have really felt like I had a worldly perspective like a, a a human view that we would put on him sure yeah so much see yeah. that's such a contrast to to myself at some point you guys make it just there's there's a shift and you guys become a part of a faith community mm-hmm. um what was that experience like for you yeah so i re- distinctly remember us being a part of a faith community when we were in paraland down in houston okay i was not personally feeling like I was a part of that. I was still just a kid, my parents' child, they were a part of that. I mean, I had connections there. It wasn't until we moved to Lubbock that I 
personally felt like I am a part of this church, right? Um, and yeah, things shifted considerably <laughs> at times to uh, to understand what the uh, church and congregational community was like versus what I viewed as a general way of life. Okay. Right? So there were a lot more... Uh, at that early of an age... Yeah. That is fascinating. So in particular, you know, around the, it was in the youth group um, when I started junior high that it really started to hit because I formed a really close relationship with my youth minister. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, at one point in time at the, at the congregation I was at, went through, depending on how you look at it, three or four youth ministers within a two or three year period. Oh. Um, and so some of that was, and that was more towards once I hit high school. So I had this pretty long-term relationship with, with one of our youth ministers and, and learning and, and understanding from them. Uh, and that really helped in, I think, understanding the congregational sense uh, of things and made me feel like I was a part of, of that community there. But then it also opened my eyes when it came to the challenges that we hit of these youth ministers and and the way that those things came about. Uh, where I actually is as early as you know ninth or tenth grade was involved in conversations with our elders uh, hmm. regarding what I thought <laughs> to be right or wrong or good or not. Uh, as some of that I I can look back and know that. I was uh, a youth, sure, you yeah. know, and, and some of it was, was certainly out of uh, ignorance or, or arrogance. Sure. But I also look back and have no regrets on some of it, mm-hmm. knowing that, no, I, I had a voice and it, it was just as valid, right? So, yeah. so early on, I had that sense there too, like say from uh, at least by 10th grade or so that uh, I'm a I am a part of this community, so mm-hmm. you better treat me as if I'm a part of this community, right. and I'm not a lesser part. I'm a valid uh, mm-hmm. uh, Christian here, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and a lot of that came, I think, to uh, my parents weren't afraid to let me venture out in ways that they still felt that one of the rules they had, which I love, I, I because I, I see wisdom in it, it. I could go to any place I wanted to to worship with friends. If a friend invited, I, I'm sure there are probably some limitations, right? But, but most of my friends were <laughs> sure, not sure. uh, going to be in the, but I could go, I mean, we were church of Christ. I could go to Baptist Methodist. Mm-hmm. I could go to a Catholic. I, um, their rule was anybody that invited me, I was welcome to go, but they had to come and visit our church on some point. So, you know, the wisdom in seeing that they were open to, mm-hmm. uh, to that reciprocity, uh, just showed whether or not they, you know, um, cared about what we had to say or anything else that they were just as open-minded and not going to far less likely to try to, uh, brainwash me or anything else. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and so I thought that was a great rule, especially looking back, even then I really appreciated like that made sense to me, mm-hmm. but they let me go with no problems. Um, and that really strengthened my faith then because I could see how other people had different ways or traditions 
but still loved God. And I could see it being the, the same God. Again, I didn't have a lot of boxes around him, so it was pretty open yeah, for me yeah, to say, hey, yeah. this is God. Um, and one of my best friends, even from that time, who's still a dear friend now, always says, I, I'm a Catholic stuck in a Christian body. <laughs> but it's like, you know, uh, and that's the relationship I had. I had friends mm-hmm. that were, you know, all different denominations and things like that. Um, I didn't really have any that branched out too much into completely different, what we would look at as different faiths in some mm-hmm. ways. Um, but I had interaction with, with people all over. So, yeah, I, I think that um, seeing, though, the politics of of what congregational system looked like at that time uh, affected me and impacted me for, for years to come. It, and it took me a long time to overcome uh, wanting to be back and for a long time, probably, honestly, close to the time that I came here at <laughs> North well, Point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was still struggling with ever really being... Uh, fully involved or feeling like I was part of any faith community, it, congregational community. I, yeah. I had lots of faith community. Sure. Yeah. Right. Um, but I didn't feel like I, I didn't want to be in that system mm-hmm. because it, it was just too hard for me to face. And it, it really, um, uh, it, it shook me to the core as a kid because I, yeah. I had one of the, you know, at one point in time, somebody who I thought was kind of on my side or, or beside me sure. with things, um, I found out how they were speaking against me in the, the public forum with the leadership and, and, and elders, um, and then would come right to my face and say, Curtis, yeah, let's go and talk to them. And let it, oh, and, man, and, yeah. Um, so, it, it, you know, those things and to see the, the reality of what happens there. Yeah. Um, and, and not to speak poorly, again, people are just trying to do their best. And I really do believe that uh, everybody I was involved with was loving and trying to, but it's so easy to get, um, go down a path that that maybe isn't the the best and so it was it's really challenging for me and i finally came to a point where i was able to overcome a lot of those hang-ups i had now hopefully i feel like i have and and be plugged in and involved again Mm -hmm. within a a church yeah yeah so yeah did any of the things that you went through at this what i would consider a very early age um you know cuz i wouldn't i wasn't uh i wasn't aware of the politics of behind the church until i was in my my 20s and i was working to be behind the scenes you know in ministry and i'm like are you kidding me this is this <laughs> this this cannot be happening this this is the kind of stuff that goes on like this is not what this should be about and that's a whole other story for another time uh, but anyways, back to you. Any of the experiences that you went through, did any of those challenge the way you saw God? I don't think so. They challenged the way that um, that I saw our Christianity, our faith, okay. our, all of those things. Okay. Um, and again, it, I think the you know part of where my concept of God certainly mm-hmm. comes from is from my dad. Um, I I remember multiple occasions. Uh, one in particular early on, I, I think I was um, four or five years old. And uh, uh, one of my, you know, friends at the time, neighborhood kid, and we would play together. 
I don't remember exactly what he was making fun of, whether his mom, dad, or whatever, but making poor jokes about one of my family mm-hmm. members, right? And I'm as far from a violent person as you can get. Like, I, I've always avoided fights and all of this. Probably the only time I can think of even where I've actually uh, physically confronted anybody and and maybe that's why I haven't since then. I don't know. But um, I ended up pushing him to the ground. You know? Oh. Uh, because I was defending, again, family to me was such a core idea. Mm-hmm. And he started screaming that he was going to go and tell my dad. Oh. And this is what shaped my vision and understanding of my dad. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, like say, I tied so much of that to God. that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I went running to the house trying to beat him. And was blocking the door, right? I remember holding my arms out, screaming. So he's screaming, no, I'm going to tell him. And I'm screaming, no, you're not. No, all this. And of course, mom and dad hear this right inside the house because it was just the screen door. The the regular door was open anyway. And mom's like, what's going on and all this? And I'm crying like, oh, yeah. And uh, and I go in there and and dad's like, my dad's a super big hearted guy, but he comes off very um, people see him sometimes as cold from the start. And, mm-hmm. and as a kid, especially, you know, he's, he's my dad, he's a big guy and these things. And, and so I'm sitting here crying. I'm telling him the story. I'm like, well, he was making fun of mom and I pushed him and then he was going to tell you and all this. And he goes, I, I can't remember now. Normally I, I, I have it on the tip of my tongue, but his exact words at that time, but it was um, more or less. Well, okay you didn't do anything i don't you like he can come and tell me what's it gonna matter type of thing right yeah um and and you're my son you know i i've got your back and and there were many other times in life where dad always had my back Mm -hmm. And, and even in the political things um he didn't enjoy me i think being introduced to the political side or the um the challenges uh, of of church. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't keep me from them. Although there were a couple of times he tried to, uh, I think really curb me from, from that, Mm -hmm. um, out of, uh, love for me, knowing the problems that we caused. Uh, but, uh, but overall he let me also experience that, but then he always had my back. So anytime that, uh, I remember one time too, that a kid would try to pick a fight with me later on. This was about sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade. And, um, what had actually happened was my best friend and him were fighting and, uh, and I helped, my best friend, I actually, there was an empty backpack, hit the guy with over the back with the backpack saying, Hey, get off of, of my friend, Randy. And, uh, and as life has it ended up the two of them ganged up on me. <laughs> so I'm like, how did this happen? Right? So, so for, for weeks they were trying to, um, to catch me after school to, to, beat me up or whatever and uh i would end up riding shotgun on my buddy's bike like you know he had pegs on the bicycle and i would hop on and we would we would go off back home and mom saw me doing that one day and i got in trouble for that but uh yeah so eventually though this all went down where the school found out about it and it was all off school property but they found out there was something going on well, they didn't care what the story was. I got called into the principal's office, me and this other kid. And the principal was saying, you know, that we were both going to get uh, corporal punishment if, yeah. It, it, yeah. you know, if this didn't stop. Well, 
uh, my dad heard about that and he's like, yeah, if he lays a finger on you, son, it's going to be a problem, because, you know, and it was always this sense of, yeah. you know, dad's got my back, it, yeah. whether I'm right or wrong. Dad, sure. Dad will take care of it if I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but nobody else is going to mess with me. And, and so anyway, all of that, I think, has greatly shaped my my view of God and that feeling like he's there for me. Yeah. Like, it, you know, right or wrong, whatever happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nobody else has the right to pick on me or discipline me or, you know, if yeah. he's got my back. So, yeah. so I think that that shaped my view in so many ways of all of this. Um, and so even through those times, right, the challenging times, um, it, it never changed. I always felt like God was there. I, and I think that may be part of it, good or bad. I didn't attribute God to church. Mm. Yeah. I attributed him to my family, you're right. Sure. And so the things that happened where I had struggles and, and problems with, with church never impacted my relationship or feeling towards God. I felt like that was always a, an entirely separate relationship for me in a lot of ways. Um, so it never gave me challenge or pause to question mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's probably just spurred me on to, to even ask, am I right and study and, and, and grow in that area. And also to say, I don't want to present that, that example to, to others. So I, I, it's always pushed me to strive to show, no, that God isn't wrapped up in this. Now Mm -hmm. I, I, all that to say, I do believe in church and community and being a part of that, but, but God isn't wrapped up in that Mm -hmm. to me. That is a, a tool and a family and a useful part mm-hmm. of our relationship with God. Right. But I've always seen that as my core. It doesn't define God. Right. Who he is. Yeah. 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 See, that's, uh, that's quite a bit different than the stories that I've heard so far. I think probably different than any story I've heard in my whole life. Um, what a unique perspective and lens to have. What an amazing, I mean, this is good stuff. Um, because I can definitely see, how that is a constant still in your life like it i'm telling you it's like i don't need before this conversation i feel like now i don't need i didn't know who you were <laughs> now but there's so much of what you're saying now that makes so much sense i still see it in you in how you talk and your perspective on things um which uh which is which is quite amazing and you have a perspective i think that unfortunately a lot of people don't have don't grow up with or never even obtain um, you know, and to be able to have that at such an early stage of your life. Um, how old were you when you you guys moved to Lubbock? Uh, so that was about third grade, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah. And most of your experiences then now from we're we're, we're going to be in Lubbock then. So uh, give us a little bit of just a little bit of insight. You know, let's <laughs> let's open up this little sacred window. You know, and and help us see kind of how things continue to evolve for you in your 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 journey. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I, even though I had such a perspective and I think relationship with with God, with faith early on, um, and, and I would still say that I was definitely, and I view it this way with my own kids, right, that they are born into the faith and that they are a part of the family from day one. And, and so until they decide to try to walk away or whatever, um, you know, that, that they're a part of this community and family. And so I grew up with that and, and I did have a lot of my own, 
beliefs or, or my own faith, as we might call it. But I had never really struggled with with those things of who I am in that until really college, you know, was okay. that time. So, okay. yeah, and that's where I really felt like um, that I truly became where I was separate and apart from that child growing up in the, the church to having my own real um, worldview, God view, and these things. So some of the things that define that were, um, you know, it, it, I think um, probably one of the things I'm most well known for in, in those years and up until I got married was I always kept my doors unlocked. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it, and it was a, a part of it goes back to my childhood even, I think, and that my mom was one of these that we would show up, say they were best friends of theirs from the Air Force that they hadn't seen in 15 years that lived a thousand miles from our house. And we happened to be going through the town they lived in and they were still good friends, but she didn't want to impose on them because their house might not be clean. It might be embarrassing to them. And she wouldn't want to just call them out of the blue or show up, even though it had been 15 years and they would be happy to. And I never could understand that mindset. Like your friends, they'd be happy to see you, but she wouldn't want to stop and see them for not because of any of her own, but out of concern, which is also where I learned a lot of my love and, and things too, is from my mom and those senses. Right. But for me, I always felt like I want people to always know I don't, care what shape my house is in whatever else um and also that i i don't care who it is i'm not afraid and that came that whole thing came one time i i I slept with a nightlight um i was scared to death as a little kid Mm. um at night and um probably until i was like best i can remember 13 or 14 um I, I had, you know, check under the bed, look in the closet, like wow, these yeah. irrational fears. Yeah. Um, I, I never do know where those came from, but I know <laughs> I had them. Uh, and one night as I was, you know, praying and, and, and things, it just hit me. What does it matter if I die? Like, it, and this whole thing came over me of peace and knowing that God was in control mm-hmm. and genuinely actually finally believing that. Right. So that was like 13, 14 years old that I had this. I, I don't care. <laughs> like, what, you know, I don't want to die a horrible death or whatever, but I, I'm okay. I'm at peace now that even if there is a monster in the closet, yeah. oh well, so be it. And, and so that ended up in my college years um, where I just kept my doors unlocked and I found roommates that were okay with that all the way up until I, I got married. That was one of my rules for, for a roommate is. We leave our doors unlocked, and anybody who needs a place can come and hang out here, stay here, friends, strangers, whatever. And, uh, you know, you come in, you find a homeless guy uh, on the sleeper sofa, and he'd be more scared than I was because <laughs> uh, my roommate wouldn't be there. He was leaving mm-hmm. town, actually, this particular instance I'm thinking of. My roommate was going out of town, but ran into this guy on campus at, at Texas Tech, and he's like, hey, yeah, if you need a place to crash, here's my address, just go, it'll be cool. So this guy 
trust him <laughs> shows up <laughs> at his apartment and is you know hanging out in the living room and i i come in and, and you could tell he's like hey hey your roommate said it was okay i'm here you know, it's like yeah man it's fine it's fine so i got to meet some of the most interesting people and, and be a part of their lives and yeah. I, I like to think that you know in that one night it made an impact for some of them um it did for me, for sure, though. that That's the beauty of, of really living the faith is it impacts our lives. You yes, know? And right, so, right. So I, I struggled, though, going through, um, like, say, all the politics and congregation and church, and how do I be a part of that community? And so in college, there was a lot of times I really wasn't um, a part of a congregation or a set meeting body. I and I really did find my happiness and my, my place in mission work and, and trying to be more migrant in that. So, uh, you know, I went off, uh, did Let's Start Talking in, in Switzerland, did that for a summer, went down um, after college. Well, when I dropped out of college the first time, I ended up uh, in uh, Brazil for a summer, uh, helping out some there. Um, and it really was my my happy place by far to still be in other countries, other cultures, because I, I was disgusted, honestly, with a lot of the things in America and American faith and Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, I just couldn't wrap my, my mind around around it, you know. Yeah, and again, yeah. that was because I think of my perspective being this very open feel and everything around me feeling like it was always trying to block or close yes, off. Yes, yes. Uh, and I could go somewhere else, though, and, and there wasn't those hang-ups, right? Yes. I mean, you go, and, and it was beautiful to see how God is present in all these other places. Mm-hmm. And it, But the, the irony of being more welcomed in a foreign church yeah then i felt welcomed in my own church or community here um that was a struggle you know and and it was really hard for me and it um so i wrestled with that i wrestled then too with who i was with god you know Mm -hmm. what my future might look like who i was going to be because i also i always had it from early on i don't and we've talked about it I never wanted to be a paid minister. I, yeah, you know, right. I, I felt like I just wanted to, to love people. And, sure. and I always thought it'd be great to be a youth minister or something, but I, did, I wanted to, um, I don't know if it was stories about Paul and making tents and this, or that, but I felt mm-hmm. like, man, I want to be making an income somewhere else or, or whatever, and then be able just to, but I think even then, as we've examined that, um, that really stemmed from my wanting to be free of, any of the politics or yes. it's like, Hey, what yes. are you going to tell me to do? See? If you don't want me yes. to be here, I'll leave. Yes. I don't care. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, and I didn't want to be trapped in that. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't want to be stuck of saying, this is my job. Um, and, and having to, to work out those things. I, I just wanted to do whatever I do. You know? right. so, yeah. And I could do that in mission work for the most part. Even there, there were challenges of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, contracts with let's start talking and things you can and can't do while you're on the field. Uh, relationships with uh, missionaries who are there. They've been there. They're staying there. And you're just coming in to support them. But if you don't see things the way they do, then there's a challenge, right, that you have to work out on how they see to best impact the community around them. And and you're just coming in. um, But sometimes it's good. You're bringing different perspective, those things. But the, the thing there, I think, in all that that really one of the defining points in my life was when I uh, was done with the 
the mission work and my time in Switzerland, we, uh, we ended up in, in London for a wrap up meeting. And I've shared this story even with the congregation and stuff at times where, um, I was drained. I was just exhausted, not physically, but I was spent emotionally, you know, and, and some things that come about my papa, my, my mom's dad was, was dying of cancer. Um, there, there were just so many things going on that it was the only point that I remember in my life questioning, not was I going to follow God, but what is this all about? And, and am I going to do what I know I'm supposed to do? Like I already knew my, my, I could see I was different right? <laughs> from, from so many people in, in, sure. in, in loving people and, and right. in the way that I, I did that. So, uh, and it came down to, man, that's exhausting. It, mm. It's tiring to love people. Like it just, mm-hmm. it, it's yes. filling at times, and sure. you certainly get your. But man, when you really just keep trying to love people, you're like, right. dude, yeah, and and you get hurt. I, I mean, in ways that you know you don't get hurt in normal relationships, even that. Um, and and sometimes you question, or I did, like God, how come you're not holding up your part? Like sure. because this person didn't. Mm-hmm. respond mm-hmm. I mean, this person right. didn't you know, like i poured out everything and right. and uh and, and you know i i recently had a, a gentleman who uh, was my neighbor one of those guys who was really impacted by the fact that i left my doors open and things and uh we also had a monday night bible study that i love to cook too so i always feed people in my hmm. home so those strangers who come they wake mm-hmm. up to breakfast you yeah. know that's yeah. just how it goes <laughs> um but uh but um you know he actually uh, decided to to give his life over and really wanted to to follow the lord and um just a uh about six months ago now he uh, killed himself mm-hmm. uh And originally, I looked at those types of things, and I said, "Man, God, where where are you in this?" Like, yeah. um, and not in a uh, an accusatory, but just genuinely, sure. man, what yeah. what is it? And as I've grown wiser in that, I, I've allowed it to help me appreciate what God goes through. Right? If I really believe He loves us, and I do, man, the pain, the the that he goes through like on a whole different scale than what I can imagine. So I look at that and go, man, what, what hurt does he have? What, what pain does he have? And and that's what happened in this particular situation. God was loving to me. I I went through and I was questioning, man, I'm tired of this. I'm done with it. I'm not going to love people anymore. I'm not going to put myself out there. And through a, a number of things the next day, God showed me how he loved me and, uh, was very gentle and, uh, helping me to understand what he goes through and also that he is there and will be there and will provide. And from that day on, I, I really haven't ever questioned again where my place is or, or what that relationship with God looks like or who God is. I, I've tried, I've reshaped and redefined and I think enhanced uh, my understanding, but it's never again been a core like yeah decision yeah, point yeah. so so that time in london i mean that particular night and the next day was um the shifting point for yeah, me to yeah. uh, 
from now on to always have that relationship and feel comfortable and, and strive to be willing to, to fight through the hard things and the struggles and the things that I don't like about it right. to, to continue yes. on. Yes, yeah, that's good. That'll do it for part one of my conversation with Curtis. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Now, part two will be made available next week. And I hope you join me next time as we continue to explore Becoming Like Jesus from the inside out.